It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X92.9's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. For House of Cars. It's Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I am Shauna. Beckler is off today. Uh, he's just taking the day. And, uh, you know, that always happens when I was away for a full week. And it's always nice to take a little time to chill out as well, you know? refresh the brain a little bit it's funny when you do the show solo because you of course then have all of the ideas to come up with on your own whereas normally there's two of you doing it so you find that your brain gets a little fried a little quicker you know and then you kind of go through all your content you're like well i got i got nothing left by the end of the week you're talking about strange strange things uh or i mean well to be fair i talked about a couple strange things on the air today um and that's what i'm gonna start things off with um this is a little bit immature but it was a bit strange this morning when I walked into the studio. We're also going to talk about if you have a forgettable face and what that means. It's an actual thing, believe it or not, forgettable faces. I've got another dad badge for you. We're going to uh, retract an opinion that I have. Um, I made this opinion. I had a very strong opinion about something about a year ago, and I'm going to retract that statement. Uh, we're also going to talk about something that happened to me. It was... Um, it's actually, I think, the scariest moment I've ever had in my life, and it happened to me two days ago. And uh, yesterday I was I was still a little rattled from it, I think, and I wasn't quite sure I wanted to talk about that yet, but um, that's coming right after. I'll explain all of that uh, right after this, this stupid bit here uh, about what the studio smelled like this morning, okay? We're going, we're going from real dumb to quite serious. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I have to be honest with you here that the studio smells a little bit funky this morning. It, it smells a little bit like farts, and I know you, you probably don't want to hear this first thing in the morning. But, I mean, those of you who are up this early probably understand it's not something you want to smell first thing in the morning either. I'm just a little bit perplexed because nobody was here overnight. So I don't I don't know where the smell exactly came from. Like, was this some sort of bad prank? You know, someone from the station rolled in here overnight or early this morning, snuck in, dropped a bomb, and then left for me, just a little present? Or is, is there a, a fart ghost around here? You know, like... Some sort of ghost that just takes great pleasure in dropping farts the most inopportune time. Imagine imagine that's what you decided to do with your time as a ghost. Just roll around town and drop mysterious farts in front of people to see how they react. You know, the, the more I think about this, actually, the funnier it is. Very important business meeting, like the fart ghost just rolls in, plops a barking squirrel right in the middle of the meeting to see how everybody reacts. Now... You know what? Now I know what I'm doing when I die. BNS in 20 minutes or less. I'd uh, I'd like to retract an opinion I had a few months ago if I could. I was making fun of this certain type of shoe. And they're essentially sleeping bag shoes. The proper term for them is hut boots because people use them when, you know, back under skiing or in lodges in the winter, that kind of thing. So a, a few months ago, I saw these things and I thought they were ridiculous. I thought they were silly looking and Beckler and I talked about them and did a fashion show about them. And I was like, why are we, why are we putting sleeping bags on our feet? Well, since then, a friend convinced me to buy some for my cat skiing trip last week. And I gave in begrudgingly. And I tell you, they are the best damn things around. They are so cozy, and they've got a sole on them, so you can wear them inside or out. They're this universal slipper, essentially, that are super warm and handy for absolutely everything. So, you know, I like to admit when I'm wrong about something, and this is one of those moments. The sleeping bag shoe or the hut boot is actually a phenomenal invention. I take it back. Although Beckler and I did this fashion show about them, and I, well, I do still stick by the jokes we made about them, so I have it here for you. Oh, yes. It's the coziest trend of the season. Little sleeping bag booties for your feetsies. 
Your feet want to participate in athleisure too. Why should it be that they're uncomfortable when the rest of your body is so comfy? Oh, yes, tuck your dogs in for the night and tell them a bedtime story. These shoes double as sleeping bags for small rodents as well. Have a ferret? Tuck it into your sleeping bag shoe. Or a mouse in the house? It may be in your shoe. You look like some kind of Russian dancer or a whimsical little elf. This brings a whole new meaning to my foot's asleep. Well, tuck it into a sleeping bag then. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I had a pretty scary moment happen to me a couple days ago. And uh, I, I, to be honest, I think it was probably the scariest moment I've ever had in my life. I didn't even want to talk about it yesterday. I, I think I was still a little uh, shaken up from the whole thing. But... What had happened is I went for dinner with some friends a couple days ago and um, we were eating, of course, and all of a sudden I I choked. I started choking and within about two seconds, I'd realized that there was something completely lodged in my throat and I couldn't breathe. There was no air getting through. So uh, I immediately tapped my friend on the shoulder and she was next to me and I held my throat and she immediately recognized what was going on and she said that my, my face was starting to turn a bunch of colors and so she went behind and started trying to do the Heimlich maneuver on me and uh, it wasn't working and her boyfriend was right next so he stepped in right after and uh, he started doing the Heimlich maneuver on me and I took about six or seven really good really good reefs there and it got dislodged from my throat and I could I could breathe again and uh, then I was I was totally fine but it was one of those moments where I I was thinking about this and I was like if I had not been with uh, people who knew how to do the Heimlich maneuver, it does not take long at all for you to lose your uh, breath and not be able to breathe. And eventually, uh, I feel like it wouldn't, it'd be a matter of minutes before I, I would have passed out. Um, and luckily, my friends did know the Heimlich maneuver and it worked and, and everything is totally okay now. But it was one of those moments where I was like, I think I'm going to brush up on my, my CPR and uh, relearn how to do the Heimlich maneuver because it could actually save somebody's life. It was a bit eerie too to think about because uh, I eat at home all the time and I was thinking about what might happen if this were to have gone down when I was alone. It was like, I guess I would have phoned 911, but you can't speak. There's no sound coming out at all. So I would have done that. And then I know enough to try and, you know, lodge yourself against your own chair and try and get it out that way. But uh, again, this was just one of those uh, sobering moments where I think I was a good reminder that, you know, learning and brushing up on your CPR could actually save somebody's life because I was lucky enough to have friends there that I, I could say might have saved my life because they knew how to do the Heimlich maneuver and uh, helped me out. But yeah, it's I'm still a little rattled from it, needless to say. So I thought I'd pass this message along as maybe we should all uh, brush up on some some CPR to, to help people like me in the future. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I'm not sure if we've talked about this dad badge before, but it's a good one. And if you don't know what a dad badge is, well, it's an award that dads earn for doing something real dadsy, needless to say. This this all actually began when I witnessed a guy absolutely nail backing his boat trailer down a scary boat launch ramp without any trouble at all. That skill is an impressive dad skill, one that takes a lot of practice, and when you get it down, deserves a badge. So that was the first dad badge. Anyway, I'd like to nominate the ski dad for a badge if I could. So this is the dad who takes all the equipment for his two kids and himself, somehow gets it all from the car to the ski hill while reining in his children and not having a full-out tantrum to deal with from one of them. That is an impressive dad skill. So I saw a dad this past weekend. He had two young boys in tow. 
He was juggling three sets of skis and three sets of poles. He had two boot bags with him and then this backpack, which I assume is, of course, the snack bag to keep the kids happy, carrying it all from the car, whilst in ski boots that are hard enough to walk in to begin with without anything to carry. And he managed to successfully transport all of this and his two kids from car to lodge without any crying. Like, I sometimes want to cry just walking that stretch myself. So how you manage with two young kids and all that equipment, I, I have no idea. Someone needs to do a study on this man. Someone needs to find out what magical powers he holds in order to do this. An investigation. You see what I did there? I'm talking about dad badges. I, I made a real bad dad joke. I'll see myself. BNS in 20 minutes or less. I have this friend known as Forgettable Ryan. And honestly, it's the strangest thing. Because when we first met, he called himself that. And I immediately was like, did you, did you just say your name is Forgettable Ryan? Ryan, and why is that your nickname? So he said, it's because nobody ever remembers my name or me, really. He said, I'm just very forgettable. And it was the weirdest thing to hear him say this so as a matter of factly, and I kind of laughed a little bit, and he looked he looked dead serious when he said that to me. And then, sure as hell, I left the party, and we were all trying to remember the name of this dude, and nobody could remember. And then the next time I met him, it was the same thing. We left, and I was like, oh yeah, that's forgettable Ryan. And then we struggled to remember his name again after that. So I looked into this kind of because I was I was a little bit curious and having a forgettable face is a real thing. There are some faces that are just known as forgettable and it's often linked to a common face. Apparently something about, you know, having less distinct facial features. You'll you'll easily forget that type of face. So essentially, the more your face is similar to everybody else, the more forgettable you're going to be. Which I guess, when you think about it, makes sense. Like, if you have a really distinct facial feature, you'll obviously be more memorable for that. But I kind of found that fascinating. There are actually people, as well, whose career it is to help people fix their forgettable face. They find ways to make you stand apart on your dating profiles and that kind of thing so people do remember you and you don't get as easily forgotten. So there you go. If, if you find that nobody remembers your name, you're one of those people, you're like, ah, oh, always, nobody remembers my name or my face or whatever, you're going to have to make one of your facial features just a little bit weirder and people will remember you more. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I got a message after we talked about that from Roger and Roger said, you know, that's the type of face that you want as a spy or if you're a criminal, you'd want that type of face, which is 100% true. And I actually wonder if... You know, you go into the CIA, rather, or something like that, if they look for that type of face. It's funny because, you know, discrimination based on appearance isn't something that you normally can do anymore. In fact, like asking for photos and stuff is frowned upon. But when it comes to a job like that, you would want a face that's easily forgettable. And also, if you want to commit crime, right? Like, if you're a villain, you're also going to want a forgettable face so that the police can't recognize you. And when people try and recall, if they spotted you, what you look like, they won't be able to be very beneficial for a criminal. Just saying. If you want to commit crime, look at your face and see if it's forgettable or not, okay? BNS in 20 minutes or less. You love your car. Bet you'd love lower interest and lower payments, too. Refinance your auto loan with House of Cars and love the freedom of having more money in your pocket. Visit HouseOfCarsCalgary.com. The BNS in 20 minutes or less podcast. Etymology with Shauna. So I got reading about the etymology of different instruments, which I thought was pretty cool because, I mean, we're a music station. We're all quite passionate about music here. So I started with the most basic guitar. So this is fairly simple. The word guitar comes from the Hindi word sitar. And I'm sure you've seen a sitar. It's basically the older version of a guitar. But uh, it had three strings. 
And sitar literally translates to three strings. So when you think of the tar in guitar, it's the same thing. That just means strings, which I have to be honest with you, I didn't know. So there you go. Uh, the ukulele, though, or the smaller version of the baby guitar, uh, it has a bit of a more poetic story, and I thought I'd share that with you. So the word is Hawaiian in origin, as you may have guessed, but the ukulele wasn't actually from Hawaii. It was brought in by Portuguese immigrants to Hawaii. And back then, the ukulele was actually called a machete, which is also hilarious to me because those are two very different words uh, that they called in Portuguese the ukulele, the machete. But the instrument became a favorite of the king at the time, uh, King Kalakawa, which I probably butchered the pronunciation of his name, so I apologize. But a former British Army officer named Edward Purvis, he really took to the instrument as well. And uh, Mr. Purvis was a small little guy who was quite lively and sprightly. And many called Edward Purvis, this former British officer, the nickname of ukulele. And the reason is, is because ukulele directly translates to jumping flea in English. Uku in Hawaiian is flea, and lele means jumping. So Mr. Ukulele uh, was known because he kind of was sprightly and little and like a jumping flea. So he became so popular and so synonymous with the instrument, however, that they then just started naming the instrument after him. So they started naming the instrument itself, ukulele. So ukulele means jumping flea. Etymology with Shauna. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Eckler and I like to talk about translations of different words from different languages and you know, it's always a funny thing to see because, of course, things don't always translate appropriately between country to country and language to language. And, uh, of course, people know this now. So friend of the show, Colin, submitted another another one for us. Uh, he actually sent me this TikTok video, and it's a lady who found out what a certain word from English translates to in Norwegian. And, uh, well, this works on multiple levels, and you'll hear why. If you translate speed bumps into Norwegian, you get... <laughs> Fart stumper. <laughs> so if you missed that, she said, if you translate speed bump into Norwegian, it becomes fart stumper. I don't know what I would do if I was in Norway and somebody just yelled, fart stumper! I'd be like, do you need to hit the bathroom? Is everything okay? What can we do here? Um, also, phenomenal name for butt. That is definitely being added to the list. Like, oh, look at the fart stumper on her. Though maybe almost too literal, it's also spelled identical to what you would believe. The English way, farts, dumper. That is how this word is spelled, which is also quite funny to me. Farts, dumper! Excuse me? Oh, yeah, that's a farts, dumper! I'd be very confused if I was in Norway and somebody was yelling that. Or if I saw it in a sign, for that matter. If they just wrote that out, it'd be like, I don't know what to do here. Okay. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. We always like to talk about TV tropes, things that happen in television shows and movies that just aren't really realistic. Uh, here's another one for you. The fact that in these shows, rich people will always have this unbelievable spread of breakfast displayed out on the dining room table. Every single morning, weekday or not, there will be this true feast involving the staples like eggs, bacon, and, and toast, and then a bunch of fresh baking like croissants and muffins and a giant bowl of fruit. And it looks like a restaurant buffet, but in their own home. And then everybody will walk by all this food, grab, you know, one singular muffin or a little croissant on their way, and then they leave. 
Now, I don't know many rich people, so perhaps this is how it actually works. The butler will make this amazing feast every morning for nobody to eat. But in that case, what an incredible waste of food. Like, you then just toss it all out after? I hope you as the butler just reuse the same food for the week, knowing that everybody's in a rush and won't actually eat it. It's kind of just for aesthetic purposes, right? Sometimes, though, the feast will also be displayed in a middle-class home, and mom made it. And that's even more infuriating, because mom slaved away, making this beautiful breakfast on a weekday, which is also completely unrealistic, but it'll have, you know, wonderful homemade foods, and then the kids will rush on by, they'll grab a singular piece of crappy toast, and then leave. If I was that mom, I'd be absolutely furious. I'd make that big breakfast once, and I'd be like, oh, you're not going to eat that, eh? Make your own damn breakfast. BNS in 20 minutes or less. Audio. This song is by J.J. Wilde featuring Billy Raful, an award-winning songwriter from Leamington, Ontario. These two hardly know each other. They just met in L.A. this past summer when both of them returned there for the first time since the start of the pandemic. They decided to go into the studio and said it was the most organic songwriting experience either of them have had. J.J. Wild has a bit of an interesting recording process. She records using voice memos on her phone. Whether it's a single lyric or an idea, she doesn't write it down in a notebook the old school way. She records using voice memo. The way of the future. J.J. Wilde has been slugging it out as a musician for many years and really wasn't having much success. It wasn't until a couple years ago that she could finally quit her day jobs. Yes, jobs plural. It was just two years ago that J.J. Wilde had three different jobs. She was a receptionist, a server, and a bartender, along with playing bar gigs three nights a week. She contemplated giving it all up, but stuck it out for another year, and that's when the success happened. I know it's dark, but I swear it's true. J.J. Wilde might actually perform at Matt Berry's wedding. As in Matt Berry, music director and current afternoon host here at X, Matt got the chance to meet J.J. in New York recently. They got chatting. Matt jokingly asked if she'd play his wedding, and she actually said yes. I was born to die with you. I was born to die with you. Audio. You've been listening to the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. For House of Cars. Until January 15th, enter to have House of Cars wipe out your debt for free. No strings attached. Visit houseofcarscalgary.com. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x929.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS in 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.